Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Good morning, everybody. How are you? Good to see you all. Uh, I want to start by asking you a question. Have you ever wished you had more time? Like, do you ever wish you could make more time for that special something or someone? If you didn't know, we are the most distracted society that has ever existed. In fact, some experts reckon that after three minutes, we lose track of where we are. Which means, in about two and a half minutes, most of you will be somewhere else, probably dreaming about being on a beach or somewhere else. And then experts tell me that in 15 minutes' time, you will be coming back into the room and back on track. You know, our days are constantly being interrupted by tweets, texts, notifications, Instagram posts, phone calls, probably even carrier pigeons. We get interrupted so much, don't we? And our brains are almost being trained to crave distraction. In fact, in a connected world, we need to be careful that we don't become so connected that we become disconnected with reality. And therefore, we become distracted from the place we are and end up in a place we don't want to be. You know, a simple definition of distraction is this. Something that turns your attention away from something you want to concentrate on. Here's a great image of what distraction looks like for most of us. Absolutely bonkers. That's pretty much what goes on in my head most days, if you know me well. You see, we swipe, we scroll, we touch our phones over 3,000 times a day. In fact, we have around about nine apps open at any given time. And so we are people who are so connected but so distracted and we crave more time, don't we? So we invent systems, we have wearables, we have apps, we have phones, we have all these things to keep us on track, keep us in the black, keep us processing correct, but we end up saying, I need more time. We're just complaining about having more time. So how do we start to prioritise the right things in life so we don't get distracted and end up where we don't want to be? I want to answer that question today by looking at some of my own experiences, uh, looking at what experts have to say about it, and also, more importantly, by looking at what God has to say about it. You know, God has to say something about every subject that we struggle with or face in life, and no more so than this subject, he has something to say about it. I do want to be honest and upfront. If you know me well, you'll probably be sat there going, why are you talking about priorities? Like, the team are all laughing because I am known as a bit of a last-minute Larry. I, I'm rubbish at this sort of stuff. I need to get better at it. And when we were thinking about who was going to talk on each subject, people were picking stuff, and I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, I'll go for this one. And I'm thinking, why? And God's like, ha because you need to get better at it, Adam. You need to get better at it. You know, when we were talking about this series, we've been talking about making the most of it. We want to make the most of our time here on earth, don't we? And for some of us, we find that really difficult when we're distracted. I want to encourage you, though, as a good reminder, we've created some stickers. And you can grab yourself a sticker from the Connect Point that says, making the most of it. I've got one on my iPad. It means that I'm reminded I need to make the most of my time. They are free of charge as well. Any of our locations, we've all got them everywhere. Come and get one. But when I was thinking about this idea of making the most of it, we, we came up with this title, Making a Beeline for it. What does that mean? We hear it all the time, don't we? Making a beeline. Well, I did some research, and I'm going to tell you the origins. The origins are this. It's about a forager bee who goes to the source of nectar. He finds the thing that he's after. He returns to the hive, and he communicates to the rest of the bees. He does this thing called the waggle dance. Do you want to see it? Come on. Yeah, come on. He basically does this. 
does that, right? And he waggles, and then they know which way to go. And then they make a beeline for the nectar. They don't get distracted by anything else going on around them. They go directly to the source of the thing that they're after. And that, my friends, is why it's called making a beeline. And I want to today talk today about how we can prioritise the right things in our lives and maximise our capacity to make the most of our time here on earth. I want us to look at a few passages in the Bible. And the first one, and this is the one I want to frame most of my thinking around today, is found in Romans 12, 2. It says this, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Here's the first thing that I want to say to you guys. If you're a note taker, this is the first point. Pay attention to what you pay attention to. See, in a world full of distraction, it's so easily to be conformed by the things we surround ourselves with. What we listen to uh, has an effect on us. And if we listen to every voice without discretion, we will be shaped by them. And we need to pay attention to those voices, those voices who are speaking into our lives. Here's why. We naturally become what we behold. What absorbs our interest we give our attention to, and most likely will start shaping our thinking and fill our hearts. Where we spend our time will shape our life. What we watch will change the way we see the world. What we listen to will change the way we speak about others. What we read will change the way we think about issues. And who we spend our time with matters. Why? Because it all has an effect upon who we are. And I want to just tell you a little story about me when I was about 17 or 18. This is a confession. It's a really embarrassing story. Around that time, I grew up in this tiny little village, by the way. Picture, picture this. A thousand people in a village, one school, one post office, one pub. That is it. That is where I, I grew up, this tiny little village. So far removed from Cockney Gangster London, <laughs> I started watching Cockney Gangster films. Danny Dyer films, and I didn't realise the effect it had on me until one day I was in the pub and I'd had a couple of beers and I started being a bit leery. And one of my parents' friends turned to me and said, Adam, that's not who you were meant to be. And it had this effect on me. I was like, what? what? No, 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 this is who I'm meant to be. I'm this guy. And uh, one of my friends challenged me and said, Adam, I don't think that's who you were meant to be. That's a result of what you're absorbing in your life. And it had a really massive effect on me. You see, if we're not careful, we will end up so out of place and out of character with the people that we're meant to be that we'll just go, huh? How did that happen? That wasn't part of the plan. Here I am. You know, if you're a Christian, you must make sure that you're spending time with God whether that's through reading the Bible or in prayer. Why? Because we know, don't we? In order to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, we must diligently evaluate what we are filling our minds with in order to protect our hearts. In fact, the writer of Proverbs, he says this. He says uh, that guard your heart above all else, for it's the source of life. Guard your heart because it is the source of life. In other words, what you're pouring into it, you have to be careful with because it will transform you either into something that you want to be or something you don't want to be. So we need to pay attention to what we pay attention to. You know, where we spend our time will shape our lives. And research actually tells us, church research tells us, that roughly 98% of people who attend church on a Sunday, so that's a majority of you, will spend 95% of your time away from church. Shock horror, right? Oh my gosh. 
like newsflash, you're going to spend the majority of your time away from church during the week. Which means this, that you can either shape culture or culture will shape you. And that is our responsibility to pay attention to what we pay attention to. My second point is this. We need to create boundaries and constraints. Now I can already hear the intake of breath going, constraints, that feels constraining. It doesn't feel nice, does it? I hate that word, constraints, but bear with me. You see, when it comes to guarding our precious items, our most valuable things, we put alarm systems on them, don't we? So our houses have alarm systems on them, our phones have alarm systems on them, put our money in the bank or in the safe. Even if you've got a dog, you put a system in place to protect it, not just from outside threats, but from threats of itself as well. So you may have the most well-trained dog in the world, but I guarantee you, you cannot walk with that dog forever off a lead because its natural instinct at some point will be to go and chase either a squirrel, a cat, another dog, or a human being just to say hello. And it won't realise it's putting itself in danger doing that. The same principle is the same as when it comes to children. My most precious item in my house is sat just over there. His name is Angus. He is our precious little boy. And for us in our family, we do everything to protect him. And so when we put him in the car, we put him in a five-point harness. I don't just put him in a normal seatbelt, because if it was down for to him, he'd be out and about around the cabin. And as soon as we put the brakes on, he would be at harm's way. So he may not like it, but we've got to do everything we can to protect him. You know, D.A. Carson, he puts it like this. He says that we should do the same. He says, people do not drift towards holiness. We drift towards disobedience. In other words, we don't drift towards the thing that we need to, the boundaries, when we spend time with God. We, spend toward, we drift towards distraction and filling our hearts with the, the wrong kinds of things. You know, in our day and age, distraction is always creeping around the corner. In fact, our attention is probably the most valuable commodity to any company and marketeer out there. And I don't actually think it's that difficult anymore. I think we're kind of like mackerel. You know, I don't explain this theory. I used to go mackerel fishing once a year with my family. We'd go down to Tembe, we'd hire a boat, the captain would come out with a giant rod, here's your rod, and I'd say, where's the bait? And he'd be like, you don't need any bait for these mackerel, because they're stupid. I didn't get it. You get a rod, you get a piece of, you get a line, and there'll be like 80 hooks on the end and a weight, and you just chuck it in, and the mackerel get so distracted by the glistening metal that they come up and bite onto that hook. And before they know it, they're hook, line, and sinker in the place that they don't want to be. And that it can be like me and you. We can become so distracted by stuff around us. I can't drive anywhere without one of my little boys telling me there's a McDonald's there. Literally, I have sometimes have to plan a route around a Golden Arches. If we're driving down the motorway, it's like McDonald's, McDonald's, McDonald's. They're trained for this distraction. We have to be so careful. You see, we must do everything that we can to control what we give our attention to. We need boundaries and we need constraints. I've recently been doing some research into why we don't have that great boundary. Sometimes it's to do with our capacity. Most of us in today's society are at a maximum capacity. We are stressed. We are stretched. We have a, a pandemic on our hands, which isn't COVID, which is mental health. We have this, this, this issue where people are struggling mentally with fatigue. And so I did some research, and I found this, uh, this capacity expert called Melanie Sodica. She's an American. She's an amazing woman. I, I've checked out some of her stuff. And I don't want to like, diminish what she's done, because I'm going to talk about what she says in a minute. But what fascinates me every time when an expert says, I've come up with this new great plan. God's kind of like, it's in the Bible. 
It's there. Like it's been there for thousands of years, ready for you to pick up and go, oh my gosh, this research is... Anyway, Melanie, she comes up with this idea. She's talking about how we can renew our mind. Amazing. And she says this, she says, it's a simple thing. It's not based on IQ. It's not based on your left or your right brain. It's not based on anything about your personality. It's just simply based on the decisions that we make. She says there's four states of capacity that we operate in. And these are the four. She's created this capacity assessment matrix. So there is the first one, indulgent. Then we move to fatigued. And then we move to reserved and maximized. You see, indulgent is the place where we like to be because it's the bit where we get affirmed for who we are. It's where we say yes a lot to things. It's where we get affirmed of our talents and our gifts. It's where people say thank you. But it's also where we say yes too much. And when we say yes too much, we become overcommitted and overwhelmed. You know, I am guilty of that all the time, saying yes without thinking of the consequences. And then what happens is we become burnt out and fatigued. And we move into the second state of capacity, fatigue and burnout. And we don't really want to be here because this is where a reboot is needed. This is where we need to do something quickly in order to get out of this situation. We need to to resign some of these habits that have put us there in the first place because we've got no capacity for anything and more importantly, anyone. And that includes sometimes our family. And to get us out of that state, we move into the reserved state of capacity. And this is the place where two things happen. First of all, we start doing things that fill our tanks, the things that we like to to replenish us. So for me, that would be playing golf, cooking, eating loads of food, hanging out with some friends, spending time with my kids and watching football. So like tonight, I'm taking my boys to Anfield for the first time to see the Mighty Reds play up at Anfield. So I'm really excited about that. That's going to fill my tank. But I therefore then become a little bit like cautious to re-give out because I don't want to end up back in fatigued. So sometimes we just stay in reserved. But we need to move to maximised. Now maximised is a really special place because this is the place where we operate at our highest capacity level. And uh, we do this, we start making like a bee. We start making like a bee and using our capacity to the maximum. You know, we teach time management prioritisation, decision-making, but we do not talk about capacity. And I want us to think about this idea of capacity and managing our capacity for a moment. You know, as humans, we're really good, or I am at least, of booking myself back to 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 back till I'm burnt out. I literally constantly booking myself, filling my time with things. When people ask me, have you got time for this? I'm like, no, I'm busy. Like, sometimes I find... This might be a Christian thing or it might be a human problem. We can have a competition. Who's the busiest? I'm really busy. I'm really busy. I know I'm too busy for this. Why is that? It's because we're not taking care of our capacity. And so when we read this passage here in Romans 12, 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect we can start to see that if we are conformed to what the world wants, our environments and our context demands, we quickly realise that we can be pushed into a place where where our capacity is stretched and we're struggling and we end up in a place we don't want to be. This is why it's important we realise that we have a capacity and our role is to use it, not abuse it. So here's capacity. I'm going to use this as, as an example. Capacity is the maximum amount something can contain 
or produce at any given time. So if you look at this bottle, it can only contain so much. I think it's about 750 milliliters. It will never contain any more. It doesn't matter if I pray over it, fast over it, command it. It will never, ever contain any more. I could pour loads more water into it. It will just pour over because it has a capacity limit. And like this, you and me have capacity limits. I'm not saying that we can't increase our capacity limits because I know there's lots of leadership things out there. But I think it's important that we utilise what God has given us in this season. You know, I look at Leon and I think Leon is like a pint person. He has loads of capacity. In fact, I don't know another leader that has as much capacity as Leon. He's incredible. He holds loads for us as a staff. I know he holds loads personally, but he holds loads nationally and internationally as well. I'm more of what you'd call a half-pint person. (laughs) I don't think that it's my job, therefore, to put a pint into me. My job is to maximise that half pint, make sure that I'm filling it with the right things in order for me to operate at my highest capacity. You see, when we overfill ourselves and we overbook ourselves, we start to fall over. I reckon this, this is capacity, put simply, is the ability to say yes to something wholeheartedly, but also knowing you have to say no to something else. In other words, it's this yes, no tension. You said yes to come into this today and and worshipping with us and hearing me talk, which means you will have said no to something else. Whether that lying in bed or having a bacon sandwich, whether that's going to see friends or family, you've said no to it in order for you to be here. And I'm internally grateful for that. But this is what it's all about. It's about reframing the way we make commitments, the way we make decisions. So right now, I want to give you an experience of what capacity actually feels like. So you've all been given a purple rubber band, hopefully, whether you're here in Hells Owen or you're in one of our locations. What I want you to do is put it between your two index fingers like this. So you've got a, a decent amount of tension, not too much, but a decent amount. I'm going to ask you a series of questions. You're all going to answer yes to them. Yeah? Uh, I'm not going to hold you to any of these, so don't worry. And then we're going to see what happens. Every time I say yes, I want you to kind of stretch your band. So here we go. Can I ask you something? Yes. Okay. Uh, Do you think you can come and join this committee? Yes. Have you got a minute? Yes. Can you come over for dinner? Yes. Do you want to bring the family? Yes. Could you pick up that parcel for me? Yes. Can you be at the restaurant 20 minutes earlier? Yes. Hey, could you just lend me a tenner? No one wants to answer that one. (laughs) Okay, will you hold this for me? Yes. Will you be able to do that? Yes. And can we have this tomorrow? Yes. By this point, a lot of you will feel the the strain of how we're doing this. Your fingers might be wobbling a bit. If there's any accidents, I'm not taking responsibility. You 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 can loosen it a bit. But you'll see, that is sometimes how we walk around when we are stretched to capacity. But the opposite is, we're all floppy when we don't have any tension in our life as well. And so therefore, we need to be people who have enough capacity that we are, we've got a bit of tension, but we've got enough to take stuff on. Because if we're at full capacity, we're never, ever going to be able to take on anything else. And we'll be constantly distracted by those things that are around us. Um, when we renew our mind, we're giving permission to say no to certain... We're giving permission to say no to certain things and to think about what we say yes to. This is something I want to be honest with you, I struggle with. It's something that I need to get better at, and I think we as people need to get better at it as well. My third and final point is this this morning. Set your minds on the things above. See, if we go back to Romans 12 too, Paul says this, do not be conformed to this age, but we can't accomplish this by simply protecting our attention. 
we must begin to focus on the right thing. And this is why he goes on to say, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul, you see, he reinforces this idea when he wrote to the Philippians. He said this, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. When we give our attention to these things, we start to realise that we can battle distraction. And the things that so easily entangle us don't entangle us anymore. And so my filter to pass things through, well, it's not actually my filter, I've stolen this idea from St. Paul, is this. Is what I'm doing true to who I want to be? Is it honourable to those I love and care for? Is it just? Is it pure and lovely? And is it commendable? And does it bring honour to me and those I love? Is what I'm doing true to who I want to be? Is it honourable to those I love and care for? Is it just? Is it pure and lovely? And is it commendable? And does it bring honour to me and to those I love? You see, if the answer is no, then the chances are we shouldn't be doing it. See, if, I, if the chances are no for me, I shouldn't be doing it. Because if I'm not careful, I'll have drifted so far from the person I want to be. I've become so distracted I will end up where I don't want to be. And you know, as Christians, how we battle distraction, you might be new to this faith, how we battle distraction is to become besotted by the things of heaven, to become obsessed, become lovers of the things of heaven, to begin to crave spending more time with God. When we set our mind on the things above, we will see Jesus as more beautiful, more newsworthy, and more compelling than anything else in our lives. And everything else will be put into its right perspective. So in an ever-changing and distracting world, the way we can stay spiritually focused is to set our minds on the things above. I don't know about you, but as we draw to a close this morning, I feel like this last two years is only just starting to appear and what the consequences are. Not just COVID, I mean everything that we've battled over these last two years. Isolation, spiritual isolation, physical, emotional. It's been really hard. I think as a society, we have been battered in all areas. We are tired physically, emotionally and spiritually. And I actually think as a society, we're so overwhelmed by emotional fatigue because we haven't paid attention to what we pay attention to. We've allowed ourselves to carry burdens and emotions that were not intended for you or for me. We've become so distracted from the one who loves us no matter what. And he carries our emotions. His name is Jesus. You know, as a society, we've become so physically fatigued from just keeping on going. We've become burnt out because we haven't created the right boundaries in our lives. And this has meant that we're overwhelmed by life and distracted from the one who wants to carry our burdens. His name is Jesus. And you know, guys, I think as a society, we have become so spiritually fatigued from all the constant bad news we face daily, both personally, nationally and internationally, that we are so tired because we're so worn out from doing rather than being with the one who loves us and refreshes our souls. We need to remember to set our minds on the things above and he who is named 
Jesus. You know, as we come to a close this morning, we're going to sing an amazing song in a moment called The Heart of Worship. It's all about coming back to who Jesus is. It's not about me, it's about him. And I wonder if you're in this place today, whether you're in a location, online, or in the building here, if you're struggling with one of those things, maybe you've got some emotional fatigue, stuff has caught up with you in this season. Maybe you've got physical fatigue where you're tired and you're burnt out. Or maybe it's spiritual fatigue and you're flat on the floor, you're sick of praying for that thing and it's not coming through and you're worn out from all the energy that you've expelled doing things for God rather than being with him. And if that's you this morning, maybe you're one of those things or all of those things, I want to invite you to stand this morning as a response to God. Because I want to be honest with you this morning, I'm all of those things. I've had a really tough few years personally and I've struggled with my emotions. My emotions are kind of on the floor and I'm only just realising some of this. Spiritually, I've had a response to some of that where I'm like, God, why haven't you done the things that I've needed you to do? Why haven't you stepped into those places? And I'm fatigued. I'm tired. And physically, you can all tell I'm out of shape. You know, before, I'm not blaming Angus, but before he came, I was training, I was eating well, and now I'm fueling my body with rubbish. I'm not watching what I'm putting into my body. And so I want to challenge you this morning, if, if that's one of, one of those things you've got fatigue in, spiritual, physical, or emotion, will you stand with me this morning and we're going to pray? We're going to pray a simple and honest and the oldest prayer. It's great. And so I'm just going to pray this prayer. And you can pray along with me in your heart. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come and have your way. Father, I pray for us this morning, those of us who've responded, Lord God, those of us who are physically fatigued, Lord God, would you give us rest? Would you lead us beside those quiet waters and replenish us, Lord Jesus? Restore us, Lord God. Give us those moments of peace and restoration. God, for those of us who are emotionally fatigued, God, would you bring people around us who are going to encourage us? Put Barnabases in our life. People, Jonathans, who are going to encourage us and just put their arms around us and remind us to keep going. Would you love us and restore us? And God, I pray for those of us who are spiritually fatigued, God, who are tired, of keeping on going constantly. God, would you restore us fully this morning. Holy Spirit, come and have your way. Fill us anew, Lord God. As we come and respond to you, God, it's all about you, it's not about me. Jesus, we come with open hands and we say, have your way this morning in this place so that we can be the difference out there, Lord Jesus. We ask this now and in and through your name. Amen. If you didn't respond this morning, would you just stand with me anyway? We're going to sing this amazing song, Heart of Worship. And this is a moment maybe you feel God prompting you to respond. Maybe you're fatigued in another area. Maybe there's something else going on for you and you need God to move gently in your life. Listen, he's a gentleman. He will not come unless you invite him. Invite him in this morning and he will move and he will restore and he will change. This is Heart of Worship.